usual. Oh, my favorite. Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute, are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome to another episode of Podstalgic. This is a podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. I'm your host, Peter, and we are continuing our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective for October. And returning is Tom. Hey, what's going hey. on tonight, sir? Oh, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm getting excited. You know, it's actually kind of fun going back and uh, watching these because I keep saying, oh, I've never seen this. And... As I'm watching some of these movies, I am noticing that at some time or another, I have seen at least a scene or so. So I probably have seen the movies and just nothing stuck out unless it was maybe disturbing for me at the time. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of been interesting for me. Um, how's it been for you re- revisiting these movies? Cause, uh, in the previous episodes, you have mentioned that this is kind of your jam, this, this franchise. It was a big part of my childhood, and uh, I'm pleased to say that some of them are holding up. Uh, some of them I'm uh, discovering new things that I might not have caught before, and uh, to be honest with you, some of them are not holding up so well. Yeah, same. Um, in some of the movies, the, there's things that happen where I'm like, how come I've never heard of this? Or why has this, uh, why was this not a popular screenshot, you know, that, that kind of circulated, uh, on the internet? Um, and there's one thing that I thought was a part of one of the movies and maybe I missed it, but at some point, was there not a Freddy Krueger wearing like a flavor flave clock necklace? Maybe in one of the many music videos that he appeared in. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that in a movie. Because I kept on waiting for it, and it never came, and I'm glad that it didn't come. And I'll kind of go ahead and spoil it now. I have seen all the movies uh, at the time of this recording, and it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. And perhaps it's a thing where uh, I really have no nostalgic ties to these movies, and coming in as an adult and i don't know i i just it's not uh, i don't have like a special place in my heart for these movies and so you know they're all pretty watchable whether or not i do rewatch any of these is a different story but Mm -hmm. they really weren't too bad and the thing that i can kind of appreciate where i think it might be a plus and a minus is that they all feel very individualistic uh you can tell that each director is doing their own thing but the problem that you might have with it is that when you look at the series as a whole, that kind of takes away from it as a whole. I can see that. Yeah. And I do like, you know, in some movies, there's a little bit of continuity, some callbacks from previous movies. And, you know, so at least we know that there 
in the same universe. <laughs> yeah. You know, as opposed to completely doing something different and just really discounting the previous movies. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to some of those. Uh, so if you're joining in new, um, this is a very interesting episode to start with. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, for this episode, we will be covering a nightmare on Elm Street parts, uh, four and five, which are titled the uh, dream master and also the dream child. And one thing I like to do is take a look back at the weekend that this movie released, which was August 19th, 1988. The only other movie worth noting uh, that came out the same weekend was Married to the Mob, which uh, has Michelle Pfeiffer and Matthew Modine in it. You know, I remember that movie when it came out, but I don't believe I've ever actually seen it. Yeah, I know for sure I have not seen it, but uh, I am familiar with it, having worked at Blockbuster back in the day. Um, the number one song at the time of this movie's release was Roll With It by Steve Winwood. All right, now, Peter, if you tell me you don't know this song, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. <laughs> it doesn't ring a bell, uh, Tom. Oh, I mean, come. again, it's one of those, <laughs> I, I got to hear it. Remember when we did, was it the first one, or the Billy yeah. Ocean song? Like, just the title alone didn't ring a bell. But once I pulled it up on the YouTube, I was like, oh, I know this song. Yeah. So, roll with it. Can you, can you hum so it many... or something? Oh, no. <laughs> we want people to listen to this okay. show. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I listen- guarantee you, as soon as you hear it, you're going to think of so many movies that it's been in. I, I You you know this song. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I bet just because I am a child of the 80s and I am um, uh, I just love 80s music and, and all of that. So I, I'm sure I've heard of it. Um, so that's pretty much it for the weekend of. And so Dream Master, uh, this one was directed by Rennie Harlan, who uh, also did, you know, the second Die Hard movie. And in here we have returning as Freddy, obviously, Robert England, uh, Lisa Wilcox. Uh, she is Alice, who is a newer character in here, uh, replacing Patricia Arquette. We, um, we have Tuesday Night, uh, which should, probably be like a stripper name or something i don't know uh, she plays <laughs> the new Kristen. um let's see here we have uh returning characters uh joey and kincaid played by rodney eastman and uh ken sagos uh, respectively um uh, very brief roles for them really um very, very brief. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that. We will. Uh, and the other person is uh, Alice's... Is it a twin brother? I got the impression that it was, yeah. Yeah, and that uh, is Rick Johnson, played by Andrus uh, Jones, and Dan Jordan, played by Danny Hassel. That's kind of our newer people here. Uh, in this one, uh, three of the Dream Warriors uh, kind of not reprise their roles, but their characters return in this one to be killed off by Freddy. Uh, somehow Kristen is to, uh, is able to transfer her powers to Alice, who's the new, um, uh, female protagonist in this one. And that's it. The kids try to stay awake and Freddy haunts their dreams. So, uh, just a new, uh, another installment, pretty much the same stuff, right? Freddy's just after, after kids in, on, on Elm Street. Pretty much. Uh, I would say, though, that this movie was kind of the peak of the popularity of this series. This is when the character really permeated pop culture, where 
you were seeing little kids running around dressed up like Freddy Krueger. You had a Freddy Krueger TV show, toys. He was everywhere at this point. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, late eighties. Um, I I believe that you know, and after the success of Dream Warriors, I could definitely see uh, around this time. This is when. I don't want to say they're appealing to the kids, but definitely kids are starting to become really privy to Freddy Krueger. I think I think that's very, very fair. I was in, I want to say, fifth grade when this movie came out, and all my friends and I loved Freddy Krueger. So they were definitely going after the youth market. Uh, what was the um, Friday... Yeah, the Friday uh, franchise, like around this time, were what was it divided? Were people kind of half Jason, half Freddy at this point? Honestly, uh, we liked both. Okay, you know, some people liked one more than the other, but you know, it was one of those things where you just dug everything. Yeah, you know, don't forget Michael Myers. Michael, Michael Myers, Myers was also right. big at this time too. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you which Halloween it was on. It was probably thirteen or something. I don't know. There's a lot of those movies. There are. There are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get into, uh, the Dream Master. Uh, this one, I kind of noticed that there's a lot of pop songs and I know it came out in 88, but it was almost, almost seemed like early nineties to me just because of, you know, what I'm used to of nineties movies having a lot of pop songs in them. I'm actually glad you uh, mentioned that because it wasn't until this time that I watched it that I really noticed that at least for this kind of movie, it has a really good soundtrack. I mean, you got bad, uh, yeah. you got Sinead O'Connor, mm-hmm. Blondie, uh, Billy Idol. You got a very well-known song called "Anything Anything" by a group called Drama Rama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good song. You know, good good uh, background music in this movie. I wonder if because uh, Dawkins came out with you know Dream Warriors and maybe the producers thought hey we can probably do something here and you know uh, include a lot of pop songs and maybe appeal to the masses even more so. Again, Freddie was everywhere in everything, and I I seem to actually remember seeing this uh, soundtrack on record shelves at the time too. Oh okay. Uh yeah, the poster I'm looking at it right now. Uh, somebody I knew definitely had the Nightmare movies because these posters they all look very familiar to me. But yeah, Kristen, uh, we do get her. She's a new cast uh, or a new actress uh, this time. Uh, uh, I guess depending who you ask, it's a different story as to why Patricia Arquette didn't return. Um, I don't want to say the most likely, but the one I do keep reading about is that uh, she was pregnant. But if you do the math, it I don't think it quite lines up. Like, I think she got pregnant a little bit afterwards. Um, well, I, I keep hearing that this franchise is almost like her dirty little secret, where she isn't really proud of the fact that she was in a very popular installment of this series. Mm. And by this point... Her career was starting to get some traction, and I think she wanted to avoid the stereotype of being a quote-unquote scream queen. Okay. Hey, to each their own. Yeah. Okay, so in a dream sequence of Kristen's, uh, we see that she was still able to bring in Joey and Kincaid, and I kind of, I was thinking to myself, where's her other power, her super acrobaticness, and I guess it's probably been some time, you know, since um, Dream Warriors. I, I don't know the actual time frame here, and I know we've discussed it in the last couple of episodes. You know, they 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 don't really take 
place uh, the, the same amount of years that the movies came out. You know, there's always a little bit of a, a distance in between. Do you happen to know uh, between DreamWorks and this I, one? I know that it was a year or so in between releases. Uh, right. They were just cranking these movies out once a year. Right. They really were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because in the last movie, Dream Warriors, they were in, you know, at a hospital. And now they're kind of back at school. And, you know, you got Kincaid and Joey. Joey's talking. Um, but Kristen, what do you think about the new Kristen here? Honestly, Patricia Arquette's a better actress. Yes. You know, uh, and you can't, it, it might not be fair to the, the the actress that replaced her, but you can't help but compare the two. And she doesn't stack up. Especially when you watch these, you know, not quite back to back, but in, in the, you know, like within a week. Yeah. At least yeah, for me. Yeah, I agree. And what was hard for me was because she is a um, a different actress, bringing Kincaid and Joey, I felt no chemistry you know, between uh, the new Kristen and the other two actors who came from the previous movie. And just to have them killed uh, pretty early on in the movie as well. Like, I felt um, it should have been written differently, you know. And the idea that I had uh, for for what they could have done with this one, it's funny because it kind of ends up happening in part five, which we'll get to later on here. But I was thinking the way Kristen passes off her powers to Alice, I thought was very convenient. And how does Kristen even know that she can do that? That's a very good question. I think it's one of the... These movies, I, I'm pretty sure I said this in an earlier episode. <laughs> I think They didn't too. think that they were going to be right. talking about these movies for 25 years. These were uh, disposable, cheap movies that they used to make a quick buck. Uh, sometimes that shows every once in a while you'll have a, an installment of the series that really, really holds up. And then sometimes like this one, you get a so-so one. Oh, sure. You know, and I'm going to probably have some points for each of these movies where you may repeat that very same line. <laughs> I, I yeah. totally get it. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, it probably would have been more believable had Kristen been pregnant and passed it on to her child or something. But then, you know, a, a a similar concept is used in, you know, the next movie. So, but yeah, I'm just like, how does she know how to do that? But um, let's talk about the the deaths real quick. Uh, because they were real quick. They were very quick. Uh, Kincaid has a dog named Jason, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, his dog Jason is the one that actually resurrects... Um, Freddy in this one and I feel this is probably where they got the idea in uh, Ghost Rider Part 2 you know like the pissing fire and <laughs> Jason the dog resurrects Freddy by pissing on his grave in the car junkyard by pissing fire no less yeah uh, definitely one of the head scratcher moments in this franchise I've never understood it. I think it was just something that the director thought would look cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably looked cool at the time. I, I don't. It did. I, I, <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yeah. I'm sure that 12 year old Tom thought it was a, a a hoot and a holler. I bet. I bet. Um. Uh, okay. So Kincaid, 
he, I do like how we get to revisit the the junkyard where Freddy's bones were uh, were buried, and you know, there's um, we we get to see that Kincaid still has a bit of strength. You know, he was able to push a uh, pile of stacked cars onto Freddy, um, but he does end up dying here. Uh, I think I think he is the first victim, right? I believe so. Uh, I also appreciate that the character at least felt he acted in a consistent manner from the previous movies. Right. I can't really say that about Kristen, and I can kind of sort of say that about Joey. But Kincaid was the one that seemed to really make the transition. Even though it was brief, he made the transition the best. Yeah. And though they were uh, playing the same characters from the previous movie... I thought, you know, and we're going to see this in every single movie as well. Uh, the people that do return, they're just like, oh, you're, you're paranoid. He's dead. I'm just thinking, you know, plot. I get it. But everyone is so, e- uh, so easily, hmm. They are quickly to. I kind of got the impression that it wasn't so much that they were trying to dismiss her and say that she's paranoid mm-hmm. as much as they didn't want to have to deal with it they probably thought that it was over and done with and in the past and they didn't want to accept the possibility that he might be coming back and it came back and bit him on the ass yeah yeah it really did uh let's talk a little bit about joey's death uh, i kind of liked how he's got this waterbed and you know he has a dream of this pinup model, she's inside the waterbed, nude. So we got a boob now, shot here. Now I know for a fact that twelve-year-old Tom thought that was a hoot and holler. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm sure you hollered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a, uh, it was kind of a cool image, and damn, that Joey somehow gets inside there and drowns, and that's the way his mom finds him. Well, I think that's every uh, teenage boy's nightmare: uh, having your mom find you awkwardly dead in bed. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of cool, but uh, but damn, um, nobody questioned like how he got inside the bed. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, now this one, Alice, we see that uh, there's some sort of like a fake out um, daydream, you know. So she's a daydreamer, and I thought this movie had a bit of a missed opportunity here to really uh, blur the lines between like dreams and reality. I don't think they play play that up much, you know, like maybe revisit the idea from part two, you know, where Freddy comes into reality because daydream because you're half asleep, half awake. You're just zoning out. You know what I mean? Um, but Freddy stays in the dreams in this one still. Like I, I thought that maybe they could have been, um, you know, the fact that she daydreams in the daytime that could really bring Freddy out to kill more people. Yeah, um, honestly, I think that something like that may have been a little bit too ambitious for a movie like this. Okay, fair uh, enough. I don't know. I mean, this almost feels more like a music video than a movie at times, you know? I don't think that they were kind of going too plot-heavy on this installment. Uh, I think it's one of those just popcorn movies that you kind of... It, it's best enjoyed in a crowd, you know? Right. With the friends where they're just kind of playing in the background. All right. Uh, Let's talk about Rick, who seems to be a pretty big fan of Karate Kid. Honestly, you know what? I When I saw Rick, I kind of couldn't help but think that the casting director really, really wanted to get Christian Slater. And yeah, can, yeah, he has a bit of a resemblance. 
Yeah, and so they couldn't get him, so they found a, a cloned knockoff, and there you go, there's Rick. Well, I mean, kind of like how part two, we had a, a Meryl Streep lookalike. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, possibly a trend, who knows? Um, well, what'd you think about, uh, Rick? I mean, so this is 88. Uh, obviously it came out four years after a crowded kid. Um, the first one, and I think the second one was 86. So this is two years after the second one as well. It's definitely in the same era. Uh, I thought the, it was just a goofy character, uh, very two dimensional, uh, kind of, uh, just a disposable character that you knew was going to die as soon as you saw him. Yeah, I, I, so I guess we not only find out that Kristen was able to transfer her powers to Alice, after each person dies, it seems as though Alice picks up a little bit of them as well. So Ricky is really into karate, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, he's got the line where he calls her Alice-san. He's telling her to find balance, all stuff that we've heard from Mr. Miyagi. Uh, for those that haven't checked it out, me and Tom covered Crowdy Kid. Um, but yeah, I kind of liked it. And I thought it would, pr- it would have been cool if this was called the Dream Masters and them being twins. It's the two of them, you know, that take on Freddy. But, um, you know, I, I, I didn't mind it, you know, that Ricky still died. I, I just thought it was kind of cool to give him that particular power. And I felt that it took away from his character passing it on to his sister who just inherits his power after he dies. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think, I don't know. I, I do like the idea of having the sole survivor usually though. Okay. It's, it, it, it is definitely a staple of this uh, franchise. There's always is, like just the is. one, even though there's more survivors at the end, it really comes down just to the one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we got a quick scene that I got kind of a chuckle, um, on uh there's a a funeral and we saw like the previous uh tombstones of a uh, previous uh of people from elm street so i thought yeah. that was kind of cool nancy and her father are buried next to each other um kind of forget I, I think there was a third name it might have been somebody from this uh this movie i think but i did notice that they kept them all together there maybe they have them in order by streets who knows no i i did notice that i also just really liked the little nod to continuity yeah kinda like you were saying just so you know that it's grounded in the same universe. Yes. Um, Kristen's mom is uh, pretty terrible, so she did not die after all. It was part three, right? Where Freddy like, cut off her head? Yeah, in that dream sequence. Yeah, so apparently that was not real because she is here, and um, her mom has no sympathy for Joey and Kincaid dying, and she drugs Kristen with sleeping pills. Well, that's because parents just don't understand. They, they, they don't. That sounds like a song. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rap. <laughs> uh, but I do kind of like this, um, dream sequence where she's on the beach, but she's killed. I, I just kind of like that, that, uh, Freddy's claw coming out of the water, kind of like Jaws. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was, that had to have been an intentional kind of nod to the, you know, tip of the hat. No pun intended. Right. Right. <laughs> I like that. But I do like the, the, the writing in this, in this movie. And again, just kind of jumping ahead in the other installments or the future installments of the, the, the franchise here. There has been like subtle or subtle, uh, drops of each person's fear. So we do get this, you know, Sheila is a. Was that the asthmatic? That's right. 
Yeah, she, um, I don't think we find out her fear here, but when we meet the other young lady, um, I'm kind of forgetting her name now, Debbie. Debbie is the one that likes to work out. Uh, we find out that she is scared of beetles or insects or something. And, yeah, um, so there's just, I think, in particular. Yes, so there's just a drop line, and I like that, too, because they, they call back to that. You know, um, Freddie obviously knows these people's fears, and it's nice for the audience to know early on as well, so that way when it comes up, it's, at, it's not out of nowhere, you know? But yeah, Alice and Sheila, they were tired in one scene, and... I like how uh, it does set up the classroom scene where where Sheila dies, which I thought was actually a pretty cool death as well. Yeah, where he kind of almost acts like a vacuum. Yeah. From lack of a better term, completely implodes her. Yeah. yeah I thought that was, again, uh, I, I think the problem, if you want to call it that with this movie, is that plot and story structure, character arcs, things like that weren't really the primary focus. It was the kill scenes. Mm-hmm. And the kill scenes really do kind of deliver in this movie. They do. You know, she she has um, you know, she's got asthma and so Freddy uses that against her and like sucks literally the life out of her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I do like that, and and you are starting to see in that scene that, um, again, Alice and Sheila, they're both tired. They were both up for different reasons. One was studying, uh, but Sheila, being a daydreamer, I guess we see that somehow she brought Sheila into the her dreams, perhaps? Yep, uh, okay. because of what Kristen passed on to her. Uh, one little thing that I caught this time around that I've never noticed before, but they had an overhead shot of the class as they were taking a test. Mm-hmm. And the way that the tiles are laid out on the floor is in a vortex where our two characters are in the center of that vortex. Oh, okay. Interesting. I did not catch, uh, or I did not pick that up. Yeah. I, like I said, I just saw it this first time and I thought that was just a real cool, subtle little trick. Yeah. Let's talk about Ricky fighting invisible Freddy, uh, and dies there. Um, you know. We we get some get some karate, you know. We you show it, it's uh, Chekhov's karate, <laughs> right? You <laughs> we you show like a little montage early in the movie. It's got to pay off, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's essentially just one guy kicking the air, right? <laughs> you know, like it. It was, it was cheesy. It was cheesy. <laughs> Very cheesy, yeah. But uh, you know, I I I just I kind of like Rick. I kind of like Rick. He was kind of a cheesy character, but I think like the actor played him kind of serious. He really went for it. They they probably should have changed the order of their deaths around. They should have had him be the last victim, right? Considering how close he obviously would be with his sister, yeah, uh, and how he kind of protected her from the father. So I mean, that is another very minor nitpick criticism. I think that they should have kept Rick along quite a bit longer. Yeah. I mean, like the whole Debbie thing, she could have been the first victim, right? So we get yeah. the scene where she's working out. She's uh, pumping iron, you know, and she turns into a cockroach. Uh, but at the same time, while Dan and Alice, you know, Dan has a very small role. He's probably the, the least important guy in this movie. Um, at least, and they, they're on their way to go save her, and we get like four loops of them hopping into the car and driving off, but 
I guess Dan's the only one that notices that it's kind of like a deja vu. Mm-hmm. Now, out of curiosity, when you first saw this and the first loop happened, did you get confused? Because I remember being very confused when I first saw this, having to like rewind it a couple times to make sure that I was seeing what I was seeing. I was confused, but I think I knew what was happening. What threw me off was that nothing changed each time until Dan points out like, hey, like I feel this has happened before or something. And yeah. Alice doesn't say anything to that. Uh, but, but yeah, I, and I'm just like, ah, kind of like a dream. Like, it's weird, you know? And one thing that I have done in uh, our reviews thus far is that I'll point out something that I kind of remember uh, watch, watching when I was a little kid. And I actually remember this scene with Debbie turning into a cockroach, you know, with her uh, her elbows breaking, you know, and you got kind of like a, her transformation into the cockroach. So I do remember that. Oh, it's a great scene. Uh, great practical effects. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think it's uh, kind of underrated. I mean, uh, the 80s were a great time for those type of scenes where, I mean, I don't know if it's quite on the caliber of, you know, the fly, but it's definitely in that same wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure the fly probably had a little bit more of a budget. I'm not sure. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they did their best, and I, th- I thought it was still pretty good uh, for being, like, the fourth movie of this slasher franchise. Um, let's see here. We got, uh, well, it wouldn't be an 80s movie without a montage, right? So we got a montage of Alice becoming a badass. Uh, I didn't put down the note, but I do remember the scene where she's doing the nunchucks. Um, I thought that was actually edited kind of well. Like, you could tell that's not her. But if you weren't really looking for it, you'd be like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. She's got nunchuck skills. Yep. Very, like I said, uh, very quick cuts in the style of a music video. And when I was watching this, I went so far as to go onto IMDb just to check out Rennie Harlan's work before this. And I was really shocked that he didn't do any music videos. Yeah. Well, I know this was like his first American movie. Well, he probably just did regular movies. Yeah, over uh, in Europe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, so Alice, she enters the dream world through a mirror. And I do like how they call out Alice in the looking glass. So that's a little nod there. And I think they drop little pop culture references like that throughout the franchise as well. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so let's see. We got the, the final fight between, uh, Alice and Freddy. You mentioned it. There's always the, the one lone person here at the end. Uh, and this is thus far. The the best Freddy kill, uh, I, I think, where he's torn apart by all the souls. And I kind of questioned it in a previous review. I remember specifically boobies popping out of his stomach. And here they are. <laughs> Again, 12-year-old <laughs> Tom had a hoot and a holler with that. Well, let's see. I must have been... I probably saw it. I don't think I saw it like right away. Uh, I don't remember how long it took for movies to transfer on a VHS. So I'd, I'd probably say I was like seven, maybe, you know, seven or eight when I saw this. But I, I do remember the boobs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there they are. But what'd you think about this death scene? I thought it was great. Uh, it was suitably gruesome. The effects were top notch. Uh, I think if anything, all of that was very underrated in, in this movie. It's not really remembered all that well, and it's it's kind of a shame because this one actually has a lot to offer, I think. 
I think, yeah, I completely agree with that. And after watching um, this movie, I actually checked out a couple of the special features, and they actually have a you know pretty good amount for you know it being like this Blu-ray set. You know, because some some may not have anything; it'll just be like a trailer. Um, but they actually had like a uh, like a small featurette on that particular scene, and so they had like a big model of. Uh, Freddie's chest and it was rubber and then they would have the actors you know kind of stretch the skin out and uh you know they had fake arms you know kind of popping out of the chest and everything so it was really cool to see them create that that scene well I thought the best part of that was where the arms were reaching out from all over his body latched onto his jaw and literally just ripped his head apart yeah that that was amazing um too bad they didn't revisit that. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, the effects, one thing we didn't talk about was the pizza scene. Yes, and that's another scene that uh, I remembered. And the funny thing is, I didn't write that down as a note, which is funny because, uh, again, that is one scene that I do remember. Um, and I actually thought the the pizza scene and the soul scene at the end, I actually thought th- those were closer um you know, uh, in the movie as far as sequences. So I didn't know that was actually a death scene of Freddy's. I thought it was something like, and that's funny how memories work, right? Mm-hmm. So what I kind of remembered was, you know, Freddy eating pizza. I remember him sticking his finger through one of the meatballs, which I think in this case was, was it Rick? It was. Okay. So Rick, it was a yeah. little meatball, you. Yeah. So he eats that. And then I thought he reveals his chest to, you know, uh, somebody. And then that's where we saw boobies. So kind of funny that all, all I remember is the cockroach transformation, pizza and boobies. <laughs> well, the uh, pizza scene was actually kind of important because it explained exactly what Freddy's interest in Alice was in that he finally got rid of the last of the Elm Street children but he's using Alice to bring other people to him. Right. So that's why that's basically the whole plot of the movie. It's it's not complicated, folks, but it's it's fun. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. You know, yeah. that's that's why they make her, you know, a daydreamer. And and again, I feel yeah, maybe not so much of a missed opportunity because it kind of makes sense, you know, the way they're trying to explain it. Mhm. Yeah. Um scare meter I wasn't scared, but I was entertained. Yeah. You know? I was entertained too. Um, this one, not scary, uh, but, but very good. Uh, definitely the best kill, uh, of Freddy. I would agree. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the deaths were pretty good. I mean, Kristen gets, um, you know, burnt in her room. Uh, I, I like Joey inside his waterbed. That's, that's kind of a, a very eerie, uh, image for those that had water beds back in the day. You know, I that, still have a water bed, oh, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's great in the wintertime. You kidding? But what the? How did you feel watching that scene again? Oh, it made me laugh. It, it always makes me laugh just because it's so dang ridiculous. Absurd. Absurd. You're just like, how do you yeah. fit into that? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you got to be one dumbass to get stuck in, <laughs> inside your own water bed. Uh, let's see here. But yeah, I guess aside. Uh, from Kristen's recast, what do you think of Alice as the new lead, this uh, Lisa Wilcox? Uh, this is where I get to feel like a jerk because I don't want to point my finger and say that somebody's bad at their craft. I, I would rather phrase it uh, 
in a way where I don't think the directors were able to get very good performances out of her as an actor. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll save uh, comments for the next movie. For the next movie. Yeah. So let's see here. If I were to rate this on a scary meter, I, I said it's not scary. Um, the deaths were just cool to watch. Um, this movie isn't that terrible. I, I wouldn't put it at the bottom seven, which uh, I think, you know, on our last review on uh, West Craven's A New Nightmare, that's where, that's where we'll rank the movies. Um, okay. But yeah, but this one wasn't too bad. I, I'd probably give it like a two, you know, and that's, that's probably being a little generous, but I'd probably watch this again. You know, yeah, this is this is yeah. a fun movie that you, you, you you're not gonna study it like it's a Christopher Nolan movie or anything like that. It's just a fun way to kind of relax. Yeah, yeah, that that's all it is. Um, it looked kind of like a TV movie to me too. Uh, again, these were cheap, cheap movies. All yeah. most of the budget went into Freddy's makeup and his final death scene. So. I believe it. I'm not. Lo- I'm not looking to have it look like a, a top-notch film. Yeah. So uh, I do like it. It's not up at the top at this point, nor is it at the bottom. Um, very watchable for me. You know, there's very few groans. It's it's just a fun watch. That's that's really all it is. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, uh, Dream Child. <laughs> oh, Dream Child. <laughs> Dream Child, here we are. Uh, This one came out uh, August 11th, 1989. The number one song at the time of this movie's release, it's a small song, I don't know if you heard of it, it's called Bat Dance by Prince. Oh God, that got to number one. <laughs> that got to number one. And oh my God! I don't still have it up, but I think it was only number one for a week. Oh, as somebody who's a huge lifelong Batman fan, as somebody who has respect for Prince as an artist, I can't help but cringe with that song. It's just so cheesy. It's a great soundtrack, though, that Batman soundtrack. <laughs> it has a couple of good songs. But, yeah. Oh, I um, wish you could see me because my face is planted firmly in my palm right now. <laughs> that song I know. That song I definitely okay. know. <laughs> that That's the song you know out yes. of all the ones that we've talked about. <laughs> it's Batman and it's Prince. Yeah. Uh, and I remember the video very well, too. You know, all, all the uh, the dancers uh, got the Joker and the Batman. The girl face. that has the T-shirt. She's yeah. dressed like Vicky Vale. Her shirt says all this in brains, too. Oh, see, you I, that I don't remember. Oh, I remember that very well. Because even then, even I, again, I was maybe, you know, 13 years old, 12 years old at this time. And I'm, even I'm thinking... Wow, that's kind of sexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prince, that's not cool, dude. Yeah. But maybe it's, uh, you know, our modern thinking, right? Looking no, back no. At... I remember thinking that oh. when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Huh. 
Let's see. I was oblivious to that stuff. But I mean, 89, I was six years old. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I was uh, 12, 13. Fun fact, I think, uh, well, I did review this movie uh, some time ago with a uh, guest Mason from um, Get Real Movies. The Batman 89, my first mm-hmm. movie theater experience. Good mo- first movie theater experience. Yeah. Definitely a good one. Yep. Uh, my, my my father took me to it, and uh, I remember it uh, very well. Had, had a good time. Um, the other movie that came out uh, this very weekend, I don't know if you heard of it, it's called uh, Abyss. No, no, no. That's that probably has no staying power at all. No, not at all. Huh? Some no. some Jim Cameron. Never heard of the guy. Who? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Abyss. That's you know the little project that he's like, hey, let me try this water effect, and if it doesn't work, I'm not going to use it for T two. No, no. There's no legs on that project. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. That that's the only other movie worth noting uh, for that weekend. Uh, so Dream Child, the fifth. Yeah, the fifth installment of the uh, the series. Uh, this one directed by uh, Stephen Hawkins, uh, Fred Krueger, played by uh, Robert England, uh, reprises his role, which he does for the rest of the series. I don't think I need to mention him. Uh, Lisa Wilcox returns as Alice. Um, the uh, let's see, Danny, uh, Danny Hassel, who plays Dan, he returns as well. And the new friends, right? Every movie, new friends. We got Kelly Jo Minter. Uh, she plays Yvonne. Uh, Yvonne is a. Does she work at the hospital? That's the. Part I that thought I she was kind of like a candy striper, you know, like a volunteer intern, volunteer. Yeah, that's kind of what I got too. But I wasn't sure if she did work there or not. Uh, but she's also got aspirations to become like a Olympic swimmer or just a swimmer. Well, what? I thought it was like a Olympic diver. Diver. Okay. You yeah. Know, so that we semantics though. Sure. We we seen uh, her do some some dives. Um, Erica Anderson plays Greta. She's uh, this super teen girl whose mother is very overbearing and wants her to get. I don't know. She's very superficial, right? She yes, uh, yeah, very shallow I, I, person. I could imagine her being, you know, like a slightly older version of a child pageant contestant. That's right. Yeah, the uh, you know those those reality shows that we have nowadays. The, the, exactly. the mother, yep. mother, mother models. I, I don't know. Pick one. Um, yeah. Little Miss Eighties Boo Boo. Y- yes, that's the one. Uh, let's see here. We also got uh, Whit Hertford plays a little boy named Jacob who um, Alice sees in well, well, while she's in the hospital. And is is that pretty much it? Yeah, more for more. Well, no, you also had the comic book geek, but... Uh, oh, right, Mark. Uh, Mark yeah. is played by Joe Seeley. Uh, he's worth mentioning because he kind of lasts for a while. And we got... Is the doctor in this one? No, th- not not this no. one. Okay. No, I don't, I don't believe so. Uh, you had Amanda Kruger, and I couldn't tell you who played her. Beatrice Bopel. Wow, that's the name. It sure is. Uh, I'm pro- <laughs> I probably butchered it, too. Uh, so in this one, I'll go ahead and spoil a little bit now. The dream child is, uh, is Jacob, who happens to be Dan and Alice's, uh, fetus. And, uh, Freddie uses the, the, the little baby's dreams or nightmares, I guess, in order to come back or something. Yeah, I think he was kind of leeching off of her, you know, residual dream powers from the, the last movie via the embryo the embryo thank you much better word oh yeah and uh now that freddy is back somehow we get his mother's ghost also 
And early on in the movie, she's like, hey, send me to the light or something and I'll take care of him. I feel like they shouldn't have revealed that so early in the movie. Yeah. Well, this movie is very convoluted. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of moving parts and they aren't all moving in sync. Uh, not a fan of this one. Yes. Uh, now, what do you think of the Jacob character? I understand you can't have like a CGI embryo speaking. So they had to, they had to get a young child, uh, who this, this kid, I actually recognized from Full House. I think he played like a kid named Walter, uh, one of, I feel like one of Michelle's classmates or something. And the reason I bring this up, cause I'm gonna mention it again in another movie, uh, later on in, actually probably the next episode. But, um, I thought he was creepy, you know, but, I don't know. I don't know how else, how else you write this story for the the dream child, right? You you have to have it uh, at a age where the kid can talk, walk, and do other things. Yeah. Um. Again, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to point fingers, especially uh, a little, or at least somebody who at the time was a little kid. But I did not think that he delivered the best performance and I'd rather point a finger at the adult director than a child actor but sure I thought the character was kind of annoying yeah I I don't want to say he's not needed because it's called the dream child but maybe you don't do that because it's kind of it, it made me think of Terminator a little bit because He's all like, oh, I'm Jacob, and Alice makes a line saying something like she likes that name, you know, and so so he was already named. Who named him? Freddy? Did, did Freddy name him? And it, it kind of gave her the idea, that, oh, okay, that's the name I'll go with, because I guess I already saw a future you. I don't know. If I were her, I would do anything, name him anything but Jacob. Don't give I, him a name. Yeah, out of Don't spite. give him a name. You know? Name him Chuck or Billy, you know, something something completely different. I, I feel like don't give him a name and then at the end, you know, when uh he he's actually born or something, call him Dan Jr. or Dan or I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just been my experience in life that you can't ever trust people named Jacob anyway. Oh, Jacob's ladder and stuff or Well, I, I happen to know a Jacob. Oh yes, yes you do. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, trust him. Has he conquered the world? <laughs> uh he says he's going to, but you yeah. know. Eh. Yeah, we'll see. Uh <laughs> okay, so this one opens up a little bit different uh, than the previous movies, where most of them has been some sort of dream or something. This one opens up with a sex scene. Yeah, we got some opening credit, Nucky. It reminded me of Silk Stocking on USA. You remember that show? I do. Uh, I also was watching this with my wife, and she just kind of looked at me, rolled her eyes, just like, yeah, now I see why you wanted to watch this movie. <laughs> it has nothing to do with a podcast, does it? No, no, it, it wasn't the opening scene. It was the, the scene after it where she's taking a shower. Yeah, and I'm looking at my wife and hunting. Honestly, this is all research. <laughs> it really is. Hashtag research. <laughs> um, this shower scene reminded me of Psycho a little bit. Yeah, kind of. I can see that. You know, yeah. where you're the whole voyeuristic point of view. I could see that. Now, I, I, I don't know if, if they were playing up on her daydreams again, but... Was she? Did she daydream or something? Because we got kind of a fake out. 
where I don't know the septic tank or something something wrong with I, the plumbing. I don't think it was meant that she was dreaming as much as her newly conceived child was right. dreaming F- from the the sexual intercourse that they just had. Literally, right. the zygote was dreaming. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Not not the strongest movie, folks. No, it it really isn't. Uh, we do get to see a flashback here of Amanda Kruger. So we get to actually see her uh, surrounded by the 100 criminally insane. Um, Including a shot of Robert England where he looks right into the camera without any makeup. Yes, that's some striking resemblance there uh, of yeah. his, you know, the father. <laughs> looks looks just like him. You know, it could have been twins. Um this uh it was kind of unsettling you know to kind of see the criminals uh to see the orderlies completely miss her i I don't think it was intentional unless you read the scene a little bit differently i don't think it was intentional much as they just wanted to get out and enjoy their holiday yeah they they cut a corner it's very sad uh they completely miss her in the middle of all these men which i feel there's got to be some kind of protocol like she shouldn't have been there by herself down there you know there should have been some sort of escort whatever but hey plot i would hope not i yeah. mean you would you don't see prison guards surrounded by 100 inmates you know completely by themselves i would hope that they wouldn't have a a nun yes yeah yeah it's a very disturbing scene uh but yeah yeah uh, let's just jump to the graduation. We get the return of Alice's dad. Mm-hmm. I like that he's sobered up because in the the last movie we we didn't like him, right? He was a drunk. Um, Alice didn't like him, so we as the audience shouldn't like him either. But they changed him in this one. I I, I kind of like her dad in this one actually. Yeah, I I picked up on that too, where he was a completely different character. I it, it's basically what everybody wants to see with a character like that, but. You shouldn't use this word in this series, but it's not very realistic. Sure, sure, I get you. Let's see, Alice encounters uh, Amanda, uh, the ghost, and witnesses baby Freddy being born and resurrected. What do you think of the baby Freddy? Uh, it was kind of stupid, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. And it was also kind of a ripoff of, we mentioned this movie earlier, The Fly. Okay. Huh. Uh, where she, the dream sequence where Gina Davis gives birth to a maggot, you could tell that they, uh, I'll be generous and say, took a lot of inspiration from that scene. I think the only thing I've seen of The Fly is actually the transformation. Oh, you got to see that movie. Such a, It's a way, way better movie than The Dream Child. You know what would be funny is if I watched The Fly, I'm like, yeah, I, I've actually seen this. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I'm finding out with all of these movies here. That that would be great. Yeah, uh, I I do like this sequence here. Dan is driving his truck to go uh, pick up Alice because uh, Dan was celebrating. I, I, he was with the other crew, right? Mark. Yeah, yeah, they were all at the pool getting drunk in the high school for some reason. Now he was drinking, wasn't he? He was. Okay, because the, because Alice says that he doesn't drink later on, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw him drinking. Yeah. So. I guess she doesn't know him as quite as well as she thought she did. But maybe, maybe, you know what it is? They're underage. Maybe that's what it is, and she didn't want to say anything. And She doesn't want to knock him out. Yeah, because uh, that bottle of champagne was going to be for them later on anyway. But um, <laughs> So Alice, she calls Dan. Uh, 
says that uh, she needs him. So he drives over in his truck, and it's really weird because he gets attacked, but then somehow ends up back at the school, and I'm like, where did everybody go? Well, it's a dream. But then he sees his, what is it called? Not a bicycle. Motorcycle? Motorcycle. That's the one. And he drives that, and this is a brutal scene where the, the 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 motorcycle just I don't know how how do you explain the scene Tom it's it's almost like the motorcycle digests him and kind of makes him merge with it it it's it kind of it's like hands down Superman the best three. part yes it, you know, it's hands down yeah. the best part of the entire movie I agree with that because it was very scary like all the wires and pipes go into his skin and and at one point he kind of looks like he'd be a character out of mad max Um, yeah i can see that yeah it was just it was a very uh effective uh effects i guess this is probably probably the scariest thing in the movie you know the 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 most closest thing to scary yeah uh i'd say it's more it looks it's cool i wouldn't say it's scary but it's definitely cool okay I'll, i'll take that um, but I do like that. And then, I don't know, I guess he runs into a semi outside the uh, Crave Inn uh, where Alice works. And she witnesses this. Uh, and I think she faints, too. Uh, but anyway, we go to the hospital. And this is where she finds out that she's pregnant. Uh, but then we also get to see more of, like, Dan's parents uh, at the hospital, too. Mm-hmm. At, and at first, they're very supportive of Alice. But uh, later on, not so much. Probably because you know wedlock. Um, I don't. I don't think they seem to be like a big fan of hers. Because uh, I mean, there were like, wasn't at the graduation. Uh, Dan was being visited by like a scout or something. Like a. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel his parents were kind of giving Alice the look, like you know they they didn't want her You're to slow him down. Boy back. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the impression I was getting from the parents, but mm-hmm. um, more side eye from them here uh, in the hospital. But yeah, she finds out that that she is pregnant. Um, any thoughts here at the hospital? Honestly, um, this scene is indicative of the biggest problem with the movie. I can forgive a bad movie if it's an entertaining movie. The second chapter is a bad movie. The Sixth chapter, Freddy's Dead, is a bad movie, but they're entertaining. This movie in this scene makes the cardinal sin of being a bad movie, but even worse, a boring movie. And yeah. a movie that doesn't make a lot of sense. I can't seem to remember much that I do like about it. I mean, all of my notes are pretty standard here. Um, I mean, the next scene we get is a ripoff of Beetlejuice. Um, you know, Greta, uh, and her mom, they're at dinner with a bunch of guests that are over and a bunch of supernatural things happen to include some really bad makeup work on her face where Freddie just, com- you know, he just keeps stuffing her face and her cheeks are big. Watching it on the Blu-ray, you can see like the, 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 the clay on mm-hmm. her face. Yep. And it's not even like smoothed into her face very well too, but it could be, you know, just, during filming, Robert England maybe got the spoon closer to her cheek and it came off a little bit. I don't know. But it just, it looked bad. 
Well, that's that's the problem with Blu-ray a lot of times is that sometimes the definition is a little too good yeah. on older movies and you can see, you know, the tricks that they used. Whereas on standard 480p definition, you would have never have seen that. Now, what do you think about Yvonne's um, character here? She seems to be a skeptic until like the very end. Uh, well, pretty much when Freddy drags her in. It's kind of a trope of the series. Yeah. You know, the third movie you had a skeptic in uh, the male doctor. Uh, the first movie you had the skeptic with uh, Nancy's father until they were forced to confront the reality. It's just a, another variation of that and honestly not a very good variation. Yeah, I I kind of liked her character early on, but I, I think the more we saw of her, I was ready for her to die. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I'm not alone in that, so I don't feel as bad. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's jump to Mark uh, showing up in the Aha music video. Uh, you know what? I remember at the time because I actually saw this at the theater, being uh, having interest in this because I grew up a comic book fan, and I thought that there were parts of it that were kind of neat, where you could tell that they had the black and white set. And they had the actor who was in color. They had Freddy who was dressed and made up in black and white. I, I thought that was actually kind of neat. But then it just got stupid. I do remember the scene from when I was little. So mm-hmm. I do, yeah, I do remember the the whole take on me, you know, music video vibe here. Uh, there's one scene that he's like inside the house. And I do like the effect of when he faints and disappears when he hits the floor. Yeah. You know, so they, they have some, some interesting ideas here, and I, I do like that visual. Now, what do you think about the ultrasound scene? Uh, I guess we see Freddy feeding Jacob, you know, the souls that he's collected. But we also find out in the scene that Dan's parents wants to adopt it, uh, which Alice doesn't like that. Uh, they, they keep using that word, but I don't care for this subplot. I think they may have bitten off more than they could chew, in all honesty, with this subplot, where I I don't think the Nightmare on Elm Street series is really the platform that you want to use to discuss teen pregnancy and single motherhood. And abortion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I don't think it was tasteless, I just don't think that they had the tools necessary to tackle that subject. Yeah, because um, I had an idea for if you want to introduce this subplot, there's a way I thought that it could have gone, but I want to save that thought for a later movie. But they could have done something there. Um, I think they should have just completely scrapped scrapped that idea. Um, you know, but the movie is under an hour and a half, so it's not like it's making the movie longer i mean it is but i mean kind of like what you're saying it's boring so we don't need this extra it it doesn't even cause any tension really it's a nice scene uh because her dad gets her back so it's kind of like more more points for daddy right which also It, it, it is but it also completely contradicts him as a character which further weakens both movies you know part four and part five in a way because they kind of negate each other um, but I do like, there's one line that he drops early in the movie, you know, when, uh, they're talking about how she's having a boy and he says it, you know, it's going to be nice to have a you know, boy running around the house again or something like that. You know, 
being a father, I don't know how you felt, but I that 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 touched me. I thought that was a very great line. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the Phantom Prowler and uh, his fight with Super Freddy? Again, uh, when I was a kid, you know, much like now, I was a big, big superhero fan. And uh, you could tell that somebody who was involved in the making of this movie was a big fan of the Punisher. And I thought it was cheesy as hell. It it really was. And this is what I was referencing earlier when we were talking about part four, that Super Freddy, I never knew it was a thing. And I know that you mentioned that this movie is very forgettable, but you would have thought that Super Freddy would have been a toy or something. Like, I don't know, maybe he was, but I've never seen Fre- uh, Super Freddy until this movie. There, It's not really held up in high regard. I don't know, this this scene was just bizarre at best, kind of eye-rolling at worst. Doesn't do it for me. Yeah, this movie doesn't do it for me, I'll, I'll tell you that no. now. Uh, let's jump to Alice and Freddy face-off uh, at the end here. It's, it's kind of cool. Uh, he gets torn apart by the uh, criminally insane, right? And we get like a labyrinth scene too at the asylum here. Yeah. They're kind of ripping yeah. off a whole lot of uh, movies. I mentioned Psycho earlier with the shower scene. Well, yeah, Yvonne, then, yeah. he found Mother from Psycho, you know, mm-hmm. buried inside yep. a wall. So that's exactly where that took me. And it could be also on my other show, Original Remake. Uh, we have an upcoming episode where we reviewed the Psycho movies. Um, so maybe that was fresh on my mind. But I thought this was also very underwhelming. So she finds a body, I guess, which is supposed to be Amanda and there's a blanket over her. And once she takes the blanket off, Amanda thanks her and disappears. That, that, wait, that was it? That's all that needed to be done? Like, who who buried her? Fre- Freddy? Did Freddy bury her there in the wall? I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> like what was maybe that all about? The, maybe the hospital kind of walled her in to kind of keep everything a secret? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I Is there a deleted scene? Maybe. I, I don't Question know. Mark. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and as an audience member, we shouldn't be asking these questions. I mean, this should be something that should be fairly easy to understand, and it's not. And I don't know. The filmmakers really kind of dropped the ball on this one. All right. So last thing here, we, we got to bring him back up. Jacob in the Freddy makeup. So <sighs> Jacob saves the day. Um he his face turns into you know very similar to Freddy's and was able to prevent him yeah, from and killing the Alice. Voice that he, I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, and not laugh with it, laugh at it. It's not good. It was it was bad. The voice he had was just cringeworthy. It's like oh, it was mercifully short. I, I I'm happy to say that they didn't have like twenty minutes of Freddy possessing Jacob. Yeah, and that's fine. And then, you know, Freddy disappears into Amanda's womb. Jacob disappears into Alice's womb. And then we get a jump to, I don't know, let's say six months later, perhaps, maybe, maybe nine months. I don't, I don't know how big the fetus was, but anyway, the baby's born and it ends with those little girls and the chant. And I'm surprised that we've never really discussed that. You know, the uh, the, the one, two, Freddy's coming for you and, and the jump roping and all of that. Those are just kids from when Freddy was killed, right? 
I don't know. I don't know if it's like an atmospheric thing, kind of like uh, all the other things that Freddy puts into the nightmare scenarios. Uh, I, I, I've always heard that the subtext, and I don't want to get too, uh, too disturbing, but, uh, the subtext is that Freddy was implied to have been a, uh, child molester as right. well as a child killer. Mm-hmm. And I was always wondering if it was maybe the kids that he abused. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, not, we never not find to bring out a downer on it. But, no, no, uh, no, because we never find out who they are, and I think this might be the last time we see that. Like, because we hear the chants later on, but I think it's it not... is the last time with the yeah. kids skipping rope. Right. So I think that's it uh, for that. You know, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Scare meter one because it is one out of five. Otherwise, I'd give it a zero. Uh, this, this is. Um, not good. I think it might be. I I keep going back and forth with this and part two as far as which is the worst in the series. I'd watch part two again over this. I think I would too because I, it's like I said, part two was entertaining in its awfulness. This is just boring and awful, and it yeah. doesn't make any sense. I mean, because I do like the uh, in part two where Freddy comes out of Jesse. Mark? Jesse, there you go. Mark is the actor, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so he comes out of Jesse. In this one, there's not really anything you can go to. Well, the motorcycle scene is kind of cool, but it's not anything I could pin an entire movie on. Right. Uh, I can have a good time watching Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I can sit back and laugh with it. I mean, it's uh, one of those quintessential shot-in-a-beer movies where you just kind of kick back with some friends and you have a good time laughing at the television. I can't imagine any group of friends saying, "Hey, I know. Why don't we go ahead and watch Nightmare on Elm Street: The Dream Child?" Right. If that, like, if there's like, a group of friends out one? there, I'm glad I'm not in it. <laughs> no, people are gonna be like, "Which one is that? Uh, is, it, is that a new one, or is that a made for TV?" Uh, and you were saying that you know you can skip part four. The reason why I was saying no, don't skip part four, is because this is a movie you can skip. Right. This is an awful, awful movie. Yeah, and they, it was again. It was one of those ones where I, I'm pretty sure I sent you a text while I was watching this with my wife, and I was telling you my wife's not happy with me making her watch this. Yes, yes, you did mention that. Uh, <laughs> I hope you made it up somehow. I I hope I did. Yeah, maybe a nice dinner. Um, four is definitely watchable, but you can also skip it. But this one is a definite skip. Um, I do, however. I think I do like Lisa Wilcox better in this one than the previous movie. I thought she did an even worse job. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, thought I am blinded the by the opening w- scene, clearly. <laughs> Which is a body double, I'm sure. Well, even if it wasn't, you know, again, hoot and holler. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> no, I thought that her line delivery was off. I didn't think she had chemistry with anybody. And it was just stilted and wooden it made hayden christensen and the star wars prequels look like a shakespearean thespian that it, you know what make this movie better put jar jar in it you know what i want to see that movie now <laughs> jar jar versus freddy yes i would watch that movie any day over the dream child let's do it okay so before we wrap this up we actually have one piece of feedback oh oh really awesome i've got something for you a letter a 
It's kind of quasi uh, solicited, but in the first review, I did call out friend of the show, Eric, who hosts It's Just a Dream podcast. And this is what he had to say on Instagram, uh, because he actually commented that he was going to finally listen to it. And I was thinking, it took you long enough, but this is what Eric had to say. Uh, I saw it and don't take it personally, but I deliberately avoided listening to it for a few days just because the Nightmare series is so near and dear to me uh, that if you guys didn't do it, do a justice review, which you always do, for at least the first one, the sequels uh, are a hit and miss, it bugged me. But my fears were wrong because it was really a good review and I think most of your questions will be answered in the sequels. One thing though is Freddy was never a janitor at the school. A lot of people think he was, but they never said he was. I think between The Simpsons and Scream, and even the remake, people get the misconception he was the school janitor. And I think you guys discussed whether Donald was involved in the murder of Freddy. There is an interesting expansion to the backstory that they deleted, but I am certain it, I am certain is in the special features on one of the releases of the movie on DVD or even VHS. The four teens all had older siblings that Freddie murdered, and that's why the parents, all of them, tracked him down and set him on fire. In fact, the reason Freddie goes for Marge at the end is after they set him in the boiler room on fire, he runs out of the boiler room and drops to the ground trying to put himself out. Marge takes Donald's gun and finishes Freddie off. That could also explain her alcoholism in her Donald, her and Donald's inevitable divorce. So obviously that was a response to listening to the first three uh, reviews. Well, two episodes. That's actually a really cool. I think I'm, you know what? I was going to go to bed after uh, we got done recording, but I think I might pop that <laughs> disc back in now. Yeah. And to check it out. Yeah. It's, I mean, if he's saying it's on VHS or even DVD, it's got to be on the Blu-ray too. Yeah. Cause the Blu-ray set is fairly exhaustive. It is. And you know, at the very least YouTube, why not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So thanks, Eric, for that, and thank you for uh, checking it out. And I feel like, you know, if somebody were to do a Back to the Future review, I'm going to have some reservations, too. You know, being a big fan, I'm like, you know, are they going to do it justice? Are they going to shit on the movie? You know, so I, I can see where he's coming from. because well, yeah, before, absolutely. Yeah, before I hear somebody else's review, I do kind of like take a deep breath and say, all right, here we go, <laughs> you know? I felt the same way listening to uh, you review uh, the 89 Batman, ah. and I especially felt that way when you and Devin were talking about the 78 Superman. Yeah, Devin didn't like it because he thought it was too boring. Uh, heathen. <laughs> heathen. <laughs> hey, he will. Uh, he owns that. He, he will say that he is a heathen. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, that will wrap up our review for parts... Uh, uh, four, uh, which is the Dream Master, and part five, the Dream Child. Uh, Tom, why don't you tell listeners about your show uh, if uh, they haven't heard you on the previous episodes and where they can find you? Yes, uh, I am a co-host on a little podcast called Jake and Tom Conquer the World. Listen to the world, uh, listen to by the world by literally dozens of people, folks. <laughs> Uh, you can, uh, listen to us for reviews on pop culture where, uh, we're going to be reviewing the upcoming Punisher series pretty soon. Uh, we also occasionally have guests from the world of comic books and every once in a while we'll just, uh, talk about random things that catch our attentions. See, I'm mildly interested only because I haven't been watching the other stuff, 
But uh, I do want to check it out only because I got a picture with John Bernthal uh, when he was really, at the time, only known as Shane from Walking Dead. So, um, yeah, I'll be definitely interested to hear you guys cover that. Uh, for me, if anyone is interested, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podstalgic. You can find my content over at CourtandParts.com along with my other show, We Got Five, which is a weekly top five list show. We just came back and the recent episode is a uh, top five movie deaths. That's all I got to pimp out at the moment. Uh, we will be concluding our retrospective uh with next week's episode well not next week it'll actually be coming out a few days after uh after this one releases and those will be covering freddy's dead the final nightmare and Wes craven's new nightmare so definitely looking forward to uh covering those movies so thank you guys for listening if you guys uh have uh, a moment or two please consider leaving an itunes review that really help out the visibility of both of our shows actually and yeah you know you know with the new apple podcast update it's i feel like it's it might be more difficult for people to find, you know, independent podcasters such as us, but uh, your guys' reviews and ratings will definitely remedy that. So please consider taking a moment. Um, so thank you guys for your continued support. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.